Hi, I'm Rob Vanstone. I'm here with Murray McCormick, our esteemed football writer. And, uh, well, there's finally something to talk about with the CFL. Well, there's always something to talk about with the CFL, but they've given us something somewhat tangible to discuss uh, with the announcement on, on Wednesday morning of a of a revised start date and some, some contingencies. There's not a ton of detail about what plans A, plans B, C, and D would be, but uh, or E or F, however far they have to go into the alphabet. Uh, but I thought we would just uh, convene a ride of rumblings and, and discuss uh, whatever there is to discuss. We're talking about talking today. Oh, so, you just took my line, Rob. I thought yeah. I had a clever way to grab the folks. We could talk about talking, but no, nope, you stole my line. Robert, what do you make of this? Uh, how about mixed feelings? Because I'm going to say, as of right now, it's exciting to see that we have a target date. There's some sort of idea when training camps and stuff that the CFL is moving forward, but we were in the same position last year. Discussions about a target date, things were moved on and stuff. Not around this time, but we were in a similar position where things were looking and went, and guess what happened? The season was still canceled. So not saying that the CFL deserves some criticism for having the optimism to, to pick dates, which is great, but the reality of the situation is COVID's undefeated and no one's been able to move anything around and beat COVID. So I still think we all have to take this with a huge grain of salt, appreciate that the CFL is moving forward and doing things, but realizing COVID-19 is still out there and can change anything that happens within within minutes and hours. So but <laughs> they set some benchmarks, but like you said, this isn't really that dissimilar to what we've heard before. In fairness to them, I'm not sure what they can do. They don't have they still don't have the economic resources to say, uh, regardless, we are going to play. That was, I think that's the one thing I've taken out of this more than anything today is they still don't have that unequivocal declaration to play. And I asked Craig Reynolds that, that right off the off the bat today when he when he met with the dastardly Saskatchewan media via Zoom. And uh, the first sentence of the CFL's media release was, uh, you know, we will play football. But then they start attaching all these qualifiers. And by the end, it's we're optimistic we're going to play football. Yeah. And Craig said, and I'm paraphrasing that there's no certainties with COVID and there aren't. So that being said, I'm not sure really how much further ahead we are other than having an announcement to digest and some, some dates that exist and can now provide the discussion or the, the, uh, the impetus for a discussion around the feasibility of those dates. So uh, was any progress made today? The fact that they announced something was progress, but there's still there's still not a lot that's really uh, really carved in stone. But at least people can make plans now a little bit, Rob. Like you and I had a little discussion about holidays. Yeah. You know, and people go, well, lucky guys, they have their big discussions, holidays. But people are planning holidays. They're planning things to do. And now they say, okay, so August, so July kind of opens up unless you're the diehard and you go to training camp and whatnot. But so you can start making plans and hoping because – Everyone knows that feeling of optimism, except for you yet, when you get that vaccination. It just makes you feel good about you doing something positive to deal with COVID. I kind of have a little feeling about this with the CFL. Not, not overwhelming, but it's something positive. There's something to look down the road and say, yeah, 
August 5th training camp, we may get back to some normalcy if COVID is under control. And we have no idea about variants. I didn't even knew the word variants for the last couple of months that just turned up. So there's reasons for optimism, but still cautious because we know we've seen what happened with COVID does for so many people that it's it's kind of frustrating. Another, and I'm going to delve into this a little bit, there, hidden deep in that press release is a pretty bleak financial outlook for this team. Yeah. And Craig did mention a good thing. They haven't touched, and I keep referring to it as a rainy day fund. It's still, that still snowy exists. Snowy day fund in Saskatchewan. For what? The snowy day fund in Saskatchewan. And that's about $7 million. And I thought that would have been exhausted by now. That they were, But so through, through shrewd financial planning, they didn't spend their rainy day fund. And that gives them some sort of a cushion to what's going to happen when their finances are. But boy. That's another thing that kind of tailors my or tempers my my optimism is what financial shape is the riders going to come through from this and the CFL, and it's not a one year fix. Like this is wonderful; they can have a season. And you know, you I I may be long gone before the riders ever find their way out of this financial mess, which is none of their none of their doing. It didn't have anything to do with it, it was COVID. But boy, I think uh, there's concerns, and you know, the Blue Bombers lost at least seven million dollars. And they were coming off a great cup year. The Riders are just coming off a finish and they're hosting a West final. So, yeah, I think June's going to be, <laughs> oh, boy, the Riders here, the annual general meeting here, and here's the numbers. And, boy, green and white and red all over, I think, will probably be the uh, the, the consenting theme to that meeting. Yeah, and, and so, it uh, again, that's, that's the – I think the thing the, the Riders have that uh, maybe some other teams wouldn't, is the promise of something from the from the provincial government. And I asked Craig Reynolds about that today in that the, the provincial government came through uh, to the Western Hockey League. Each of the five Saskatchewan-based teams each got $600,000 from the provincial government, plus the Saskatchewan Junior Hockey League as a, as a, as a whole got a million dollars. And they didn't even end up playing again after the receipt of that money. So uh, the provincial government has set that precedent and shown that they're going to give uh, – money to uh, sports that have some profile in this in this province and in, in in two cases that money is going to uh owners who are extremely rich so it's not uh and uh, and so if you're if they're going to make some money available public money available say to the past owners of the blades owners uh you're either looking at a community-owned base in the, in the uh saskatchewan junior hockey league and you're looking at three community-owned teams in saskatchewan I think they've set that precedent. The Rough Riders being community owned, if they're going to help out those sporting franchises, how can they? That's that would be the. So far, that's the highest they've gone. If they're going to help out franchises of that profile, there's no way they're not going to help out the Rough Riders. So I think they they've got that advantage um, that some other franchises might not. Look at Ontario. If, if they go to go for go to for, for provincial government or ask for provincial funding, well, there's three teams in Ontario and uh, and uh, one market that's virtually dead one that's pretty good in Hamilton and one that's pretty ardent in Ottawa, but uh, you're dealing with different descriptions. It's a different argument in Alberta mainly, perhaps because you got two teams that would have to be funded. Uh, here, I, I, I think I think they can derive some comfort from the fact that the provincial government will be there with a loan guarantee or an interest-free loan or something like that. That'll cushion the blow a bit. They've always got that. And then when does the provincial government not come through when the Rough Riders are facing times of peril? I'm going to be a little flippant here, but Ontario might say you better put a team in Toronto first. 
Yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's, they, might, it's not, they might not be aware that it exists. That's um, just, and that's unfortunately a realistic problem for Toronto. And no, it's not related to Saskatchewan, but it is like, I don't think Toronto takes the article very seriously. And it's, you know, are they going to give them money? I don't know. Like it was an interesting statement. Everyone got uh, government funding for wage subsidies. So there's about $3 million for each team. I think it's kind of been that way. So there's been money put in federally. There hasn't been the provincial money. I know, I think, the riders, if you think back to when was the last time the provincial government forgave a rider loan drop? That was around two thousand three, two thousand and four, yeah. and that that put that basically eliminated their debt. So and that gave them an opportunity to have since then, or at least they had been until until uh, uh, twenty twenty. And then you look at what that set the, the precedence for for the great success, a new stadium, all those things. Was that forgiving the loan? Really yeah, kind of that was the first foundational piece, the, and that, along with the team getting better over that period of time, and then of course the, the transformational season in 2007. But the the uh, the uh, forgiveness of the loan, which was a, which was this was an NDP administration. I'm not trying to be partisan. I'm just pointing out it was the NDP at the time that um, that forgave that loan, and that that gave them some liberation. And then 2005, just or 2007, pardon me. Turned everything into a into a, a bonanza for them. Now it's the 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 pendulum has swung, and uh, um, in an unforeseen fashion. But uh, it's it's it it really it's a different different discussion. But I don't know what it is about years in which the Great Cup is being held in Hamilton. But in, yeah. two, in 96 they had the infamous uh, game in the snow, and and uh, that whole week leading up to the game. There was a lot of speculation about will this, will this be the last Grey Cup game? It felt like a death watch that entire Grey Cup week, and, and now for an entirely different uh, reason, there's a Grey Cup in uh, with a Grey Cup in Hamilton being the culmination of this season, and the league's in financial peril. Now this is nothing against the good people of Hamilton, but it's just very coincidental that uh, that uh, it would be Hamilton again. And uh, who knows? I mean, the other thing is, Mer, uh Grey Cup in. Oh. <laughs> December twelfth in Hamilton. The first first Sunday in December. Yeah, you can uh, be our sideline reporter that day. I happen to have lived in southern Ontario, down around Hamilton area. And two things it does: it gets cold and snowy, and you could be doing with that. And I'm thinking too, like, do you really want to go to a game? And plus, say, do you want to go to a game on December twelfth? Even imagine a game in Regina in December twelfth. I, I don't even know if that's realistic to even force people to do that. So that's kind of thing. One, I just want to get back. We're talking about fans, but there's also brought up fans in the stands. And Craig's message included that they've got to have fans in the stands. We didn't get a number of what they can successfully open the season with because that's what I understand. It's a sliding scale, and they can't really decide yet. But I think it's interesting how they get fans in the stands, which is going to be really cool if, if we get to August 5th. That's going to be one of the things I'm looking at is fans in the stands. And they got to have them. You know, there's no – there's no way the riders or any team can operate without fans in the stands. So that'd be interesting to see how the, what the return to play works out like. And another interesting part in babbling, there's two parts return to play. There's a football ops part, and then there's a stadium part. And it was interesting that Craig said today that the, they haven't really had a re- response to the stadium, the stadium part, but they had they had a response to their football ops. So I guess they can proceed with football and kind of bring the stadium along with it. But uh, I talked to Tim Reed from Real, and he says, hey, it's football. We'll do whatever we can to accommodate whatever happens with now with football with fans. We're ready to have people in our stadium. So 
And Daryl, like Daryl Davis asked a really good question on the Skype call today. What about, uh, or pardon me, the Zoom call? What about uh, vaccine passports? Yeah. Uh, without vaccine passports, is there going to be that degree of comfort for fans to go into the stadium? Uh, that would seem to me to be a really sim simple, um, just minimum requirement for uh, for entry. You're not violating anybody's rights by insisting upon a vaccine passport because that's a discretionary decision to go to a go to a football game. It's not like you're trying to access a public facility. It's like, okay, I want to go to city hall to pay a bill, but they make me uh, show a vaccine passport. That to me would be a rights issue. This is still a discretionary issue. I, I would I would think that it would be it would behoove the CFL across the board to insist upon a, uh, a vaccine passport or some kind of documentation thereof, just to provide a degree of comfort for everybody, yep. and perhaps to protect themselves from liability. I don't know if I want to be sitting beside you in the press box unless you can show me you've been vaccinated because my scar is all healed. Thursday so. at 3.50 p.m. So. All right. Well, congratulations. Welcome to your club. I'll tell you something. It's Today's conversation was similar to that. It's such a relief to get your vaccine and actually think about things that are in your control a little bit. I know you'll you'll write 770 words on that one little jab, I think. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, that's that's coming up in, in next Tuesday's paper for sure. I've even got half written in my brain. But that's the thing, though. I mean, even though we're, people are being vaccinated in, in, in impressive numbers now, or at least it seems so, although there's some there's a bit of a delay for the next couple of weeks with with some of the rollout um the numbers aren't abating no. and these and and now there's a there's signs of a new of a new variant in the southwestern part of the province so i mean honestly when are we going to be out from under this and that's that's uh the variant is a variable that nobody can control and and look at the dire situation in ontario right now so you can right at the start of the year randy ambrosi looked at, talked about the vaccine as a as a panacea well, here we are, and uh, we're now into spring, thank thankfully, and uh, and we're really the numbers are higher now than they were when uh, they were touting the vaccine is the is the is the is the is the remedy, and surely it is. But what is the timetable? I guess you can look at the states and say, okay, here's what they've been able to do in the states, and you watch a baseball game, and it just looks like a baseball game now. Yeah, I and, know. Uh, and there's even some fans at the stands without masks, and. Uh, and so you watch, you know, you see that or you see some NBA games with smatterings of fans in the facility or the NHL. And you think, OK, it's happening down in the States. And we were kind of feeling superior to the United States a year ago, thinking, OK, we're, you know, we're, we're better up here. Now, they were able to get the vaccines faster than Canadians could. And the political leadership changed in the States to the point where there was a resolve to do something about it. Uh, I don't suggest that there's a lack of resolve in Canada, but there's also been a lack of progress. And uh, so, I mean, I think it's easy to sit here—not easy, but we can sit here on, you know, in the twenties, in the twenties in April, and say, okay, by August fifth, it should be better. By July, it should be better. But what assurance is there, considering what else is happening across the country? The numbers are worse now than they were a year ago when we were talking about COVID and what it might mean for the twenty twenty season. So, yeah. what, what is there to hang a hat on? That's why I'm wearing one. I have nowhere to hang it. Go Mets. Do you, do you think Randy could have said any more today? That's you know, I'm trying, trying to figure out because we've been ha he's been he's been getting hammered and rightfully so a lack of transparency I think a lack of a total lack of information not doing not talking about the players' involvement and those kind of things but I think we other than expectations of saying this is what's going to happen I don't think he could have said any more than he did today 
Well, he's, he's ultimately beholden to the governors, and uh, they'll dictate. I mean, if the governors had come to come to Randy Ambrosi and, and on, on mass said we're going to play no matter what it costs us, then he could have said that. But mm-hmm. obviously, there is not that. Um, he does not yet have that uh, license. Um, I would have liked to have heard more about the XFL today. I realize that's not what they're announcing. I tried asking Craig Reynolds a bit about it today, and there really wasn't much to be said. But that's such a crucial issue, and there have been so few opportunities to pose questions directly to the people who are in on the discussions. And we're no further ahead as far as understanding any of the XFL stuff. And so that, to me, is a is a gaping black hole in, in what was uh, announced today, and that and that there's no further enlightenment as to, as to that. Um, and we don't know what plans B, C, D, and E are. There's no if, there's no if, when, if, when. And, uh, you know, is there a firm drop dead, dead date? Presumably there has to be, and I'm sure they can at least give a va- have a pretty precise notion of what that must be by now. But uh, they, they haven't really shared anything about the contingencies other than to disclose that there are some. Yeah. And I, I don't know, like, I, I would have liked to have seen that. I, I'm not, the XFL stuff, like, Today is about the CFL, right? the XFL, as you said, because we, as you mentioned, people realize we don't, we don't get very many opportunities to ask people questions about what people want to know about the XFL. So I think that's just a bit of a squandered opportunity. But today's about the CFL, getting on the field, getting people out there, maybe selling a ticket or two, maybe getting, you know, reaffirming sponsorship, saying, yeah, we went, we went through last year. This year looks a little bit better because everyone understands the situation. So it's, it was more about the CFL and less questions about the XFL, which I'm hoping one day we'll have an opportunity to really find out what's going on with the XFL. But I just think, I think Randy said about all he could, but couching it with the same terms that if COVID comes back and who says it's not going to be a fourth wave? I hate to bring that up, but yeah. even though we're getting vaccinations, we all understand a vaccination doesn't prevent me from getting COVID. It won't kill me if I get COVID is what I feel. So I and there's constituents of people who won't be vaccinated. I know. And Scott Moe has discussed sort of the 70% threshold that uh, would constitute, I think, a, a flirtation, at least with herd immunity. Well, that many people seize the opportunity. There have been opportunities to get vaccinated when there's nobody in line at a drive through that have not been seized. So is there the necessary resolve to allow any of this to happen? And that, you know, the league and the Rough Riders have both urged people to get vaccinated. Um, by the way, uh, from what you've been able to gather, and we're talking on uh, April 21st, a Wednesday at 1.28 p.m., how accessible has, has Randy Ambrosi been today? Uh, I, he's, I think he's been – I just saw my CBC this morning. I see, I haven't been able to get hold of him yet, but I think he's been really accessible today. He'll be all over the place. He will be. They, I just had to push off my interview till because uh, I had this to do. <laughs> oh, well <laughs> – I'm hoping he's going to be available. I turned off my phone, but yeah, these kind of they, they, one thing the CFL they'll get Randy out. He'll be available to everyone today. But you know, there's so many different reactions to what goes on today. There's real. There's the writers. There's a Brett Lowther, a player I've talked to and stuff. So we'll see what everything works out in the wash by the end. But uh, I know, and it's it's not it doesn't really fit into it. But you know, we we both seen COVID strike pretty hard at us lately. We lost a good photographer and friend of his and Bob Watson. And there's another one who's, who's I've always wanted to meet was Warren Montgomery. Montgomery, a great guy. From Easy Kitchen. Easy Kitchen? Is that the place? Just a, just a masterful chef and just a, a wonderful father and a husband to a 
to Rochelle. And uh, Rochelle's done a lot of work in local sporting circles. She's, I met her when she was handling publicity for the for the Regina Thunder. Just a lovely person, oh, such sure. a caring person. And and for her to lose her husband and and for their kids and uh, you know at such a young age, it's just it just drives it home. Uh, exactly. He did sound like an amazing man. Right now, well, family has COVID right now. So, you know, amazing man, well respected in the community, sports guy. You know, I've seen the pictures of a pretty big guy too. <laughs> we all kind of relate to that a little bit. And uh, yeah, so sad to see him go and to see the outpouring of support. Bob Watson was a photographer for us for 20 years, Rob. Uh, yeah, from nineteen ninety from nineteen eighty six through through through. Uh, pardon me, from nineteen seventy six to. Uh, to 2002, from 1976 to 1996, and uh, you know, sad to hear about Bob and just anybody who's who's been dealing yes. with this. It's uh, again, that should be the, the paramount consideration when we're talking about COVID, how it might affect the Canadian Football League. It's certainly important within the context of football, but within the context of life, I'm not even sure it qualifies as something that's remotely tertiary. Well, we just need it. We just need something, though, Robbie. Like I know there's live sports on TV, and I'd love. I have to mean I don't have the WHL package. I love Access's coverage of the packs. You know, watching Connor Bedard play was an absolute joy to watch him play. I think things are going to be – it's going to be really exciting to see him grow up and see that kid mature once he gets to 16 by the time we see him next. Yeah, once he's really old and he's 16. <laughs> once he gets his driver's license, and I know it's not related to – but if, if you've been able to watch him play and you have, it's just been an absolute treat to watch this young guy just do things that just – Amazed me in that that last game where he scores two goals in tribute to his his father, his grandfather had died. Was just and the way he handled the media after, just so impressed with this young man, and so looking forward to him. But I know it's not Riders related, but I just like to mention that our condolences and hearts go out to anybody who's dealing with COVID, and especially the people who have lost friends like we have. We we know what you're going through. Yeah, and uh, you know we've lost Warren Woods, a dear friend, and my sister. Uh, is dealing with it right now, and uh, she's she's been hit really hard with it. That's not getting any worse, but it's not getting any better. And I had a column about my dear sister today, and I hope uh, I hope I can uh, introduce uh, her and her family to my foster dog really soon. Uh, Saves you having to send her a get well card, eh, Rob? Sorry. Saves you having to send her a get well card. Exactly. It's 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 a nice economical way to do it, and uh, just but I mean it's. Within the sporting context, I mean, I've really enjoyed the opportunity to go to these Western Hockey League games and have seized it. Um, and it's kind of sad to think April 28th there won't be live sports for all of May, all of June, all of uh, all of July in terms of something that's that you can go watch that's going to have any audience. So the, you know, this uh, we've been spoiled a little having the the WHL hub in Regina, at least from a media standpoint. Um, It'll be nice to write about something tangible. And as critical as, as I've been, and I think if a lot of people have been in the Canadian Football League, I don't think there's any, I think there's a consensus that uh, we deeply love this league. We love following it and the people involved with it. And uh, here's hoping to get back on the field. Do you think they will, Mur? What's your gut feeling? I was going to ask you that. I was going to put you on the spot. I was going to say, give me a percentage. Me? <laughs> I'm on the fence. 50%. Does that sound high? I think so many things have to work out for them that, yeah, yeah, fifty percent chance. You know, I, I think they will be able to cobble something together, even if it's what they were proposing last year. You know, a six-game season, etc. I think as a minimum, that has to be a that has to be done. And Craig Reynolds made it pretty clear on on the call today that it is as far as the uh, discussing the imperative of playing. 
Now, would it be lovely to get an 18-game season played, etc.? Sure, it would. Uh, that might be a bit of a, a wild uh, aspiration, but it's not out of the question at this stage, so there's no reason to dismiss it out of hand. But I think ultimately it's going to come down to probably what it came down to last year. Are the teams prepared to bite the bullet and play and, and absorb a lot or all of the costs? And uh, maybe maybe they have more time now to invest in in, in discussing the feasibility of that last-ditch option. But they have to play. If they don't play, they just might as well not bother next year because I think they're just going to – they will be vaporized. So they've got to get themselves out there again. And I think – will they play? Yeah. Will they play an 18-game season? I don't think so. It's impossible. Like, today, today's news wasn't unexpected. Uh, you know, we kind of could just see counting the days – there's 30 some odd days so the training camps would have opened. Ontario's still in a lockdown by then. They're not supposed to open to the middle of May, end of May. I couldn't find that date. But you can't play in Ontario. So where three of your teams are, they've just had they they were left without any choice but to tell us the season's been pushed back to August. And let's all do our part. Let's all get vaccinated. Let's get wash your hands, wear masks, keep socially distanced, and. Uh, Come maybe July 2nd or something like that, we'd watch on a rider training camp with our masks on, keeping socially distanced, and washing our hands like crazy. So be, that's what that like. And vaccinated with our second shots. That's what I hope for. Great. I'll let you get to work, and I'll continue to fake working for the day. So uh, um, thanks so much for your time, Mur. Uh, for Mur, this is Mur McCormick, by the way, that you're looking at. I'm Rob Vanstone. And uh, as the events dictate, we'll certainly reconvene and, and do this again. It'd sure be nice to sit in our plush studio at the, at the leader post and do this once a, you know at sometime in the future so uh, hopefully uh, there's a jazz song maybe september let's hope that i can be humming that one a few months from few months from now for Murray mccormick i'm rob vanstone uh, thanks for spending this time with us today and uh, stay healthy stay safe and hope to talk to you soon bye